Listening Dog Media. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan, and a Liverpool fan. Hello and a very warm welcome to The Offside Rule. We get it. With Kate Borsay and Hayley McQueen. Lindsay's left us. We've had a picture of some sausages or legs from Mauritius, haven't we? There's always one of us that's away somewhere doing something exotic. And quite often it's UK. You've had a good summer. In years gone by, it was me more often than not. Yeah, so she's she's gone away and having a lovely break. Yeah, and we, we've we've had the sausage pictures, and I'm sure we'll be getting uh, plenty more as as the tan comes along nicely. She's cooking under the sun. And we're here freezing our nuts off. <laughs> Thank you very much for being so direct about that. I don't think I have any. I don't know about you. If we had them, they would be frozen. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so whilst Linda's away, we are going to be chatting various things. And also, lovely exclusive on today's podcast, we are going to be speaking to Manchester City women, domestic double winners. I caught up with them at the Etihad on Saturday before City drew with Middlesbrough, which I'm sure you were quite happy about, Hayley. And I had a quick chat to them about their domestic double season and what a great season that they've had. Lucy Bronze, Jen Beattie and Kosova Aslani featuring on the pod later on. However, let's um, discuss a few things first of all. We're going to be a little bit later on because we're in an international break. It's time to take a breather. It's time to think about where we are in the Premier League. And as some of the top teams are really heating up in terms of their performance, things are getting hot on the pitch and performances are excelling I think for some teams it's really starting to click for a few teams in particular at the top of the league um, we're going to be taking a little breather and looking at where we are the fours and against each of the top six sides in terms of where they stand uh, at the top of the league and who might perhaps it's a bit early to talk about this but who might be walking away with the title it's certainly too early according to Jurgen Klopp mm doesn't stop us from pontificating about it does it and we're also going to be talking about Brits abroad as well as we uh, look at some of the international games on this week we're not going to be talking so much about those because some will be done by the time this comes out and we're going to be talking about British players who are abroad plying their trade abroad and how they're getting on at the moment because there are quite a few I know we've always had that tag haven't we 
us Brits in terms of that we don't perform well abroad or that, or that we don't travel particularly well. But there are a few at the moment playing abroad. Um, mixed reactions. Mm. I think I think a lot of them fizz out without a trace, but there are a few who we're going to be speaking about a little bit later on. Hi, this is Kirsty Gallagher and I love the Offside Rule podcast. OK, I'm going to head into our first topic very shortly. I did think about making you do a mannequin photo. You know, the, the, the old mannequin craze. Even Hillary Clinton's been doing it. I thought about how we could best do a mannequin pose. Perhaps we'll leave that one for the next podcast. We'll have a little think about how we can do our own Offside Rule version. Well, it might be all about standing still in the mannequin photos but some teams are charging ahead at the moment in the Premier League and it's a really exciting time to watch actually particularly as managers tinker around with formations I'm thinking Chelsea in this instance and how things are starting to click so I've taken the top six teams we've got three each Hayley and uh, we're going to be looking at the fours and against for each team so why might they go on and take the league or do really well and why might they not so fours and against for each one I'm going to start with you and Manchester United I've probably got a little bit more to say about Manchester United than most of the teams because if you go back a year and you say Jose Mourinho is going to be the manager, he will sign Ibrahimovic, you will also get Pogba. They don't lose many key players. Michael Carrick's still playing and you've got a couple of great defenders with good partnerships in Blind and Bay. You'd be thinking, of course, we're going to be at the top of the league, but we're not. What has happened Well, I think Jose Mourinho is one of the reasons why United might not succeed. And had you have said that at the beginning of the season, I'd probably be saying you're lying and I'd be a bit upset about that. But Jose Mourinho is upsetting me about how he's going about his analysis of the games. He had a great win. And off the back of beating Swansea, instead of congratulating the team and being happy, because that rubs off on the team as well, he obviously singles out a couple of players for being lazy and smalling and sure. Not just lazy on the pitch, but the fact that they said they weren't fit enough to play and he basically thinks that they should have paid through whatever pain barrier and isn't very happy with them. They've been left to train uh, on their own, isolated and with the under-21s like Schweinsteiger, who he's now bringing back into the side. So he's just not making great decisions, is he? So we had this defensive partnership between Daly Blind and Eric Bailly. It appeared to be this budding friendship and that it was getting better. They had a bit of a wobble in the Manchester derby. But suddenly, Chris Smalling comes in there and Chris Smalling's in favour and he's playing him. And now he's decided, well, I don't like Chris Smalling because he doesn't want to play when he's feeling a little bit injured. Well, he's been honest enough to go to his manager and tell him that he's got an injury. I just don't understand. He's just confused. Do we not know this about Mourinho anyway, that that he sometimes rubs players up the wrong way? He was a surprise choice for me for United, but I think United had perhaps tried every every other avenue and thought, do you know what, we're going to go for it now with him. Is there no one at that club who can control Mourinho? Is he... Like who? There just isn't. You mentioned quite a few of these players... Look at Wayne Rooney. Can Mourinho get Rooney playing back to his best? Well, if anybody could, it would have been Mourinho. But he's already showed him that he doesn't have faith in him by dropping him, Mm. hasn't he? So I think the one good thing that Manchester United have is now that Chris Smalling is out of favour, we've got the partnership back at the back. The chances they're creating, okay, the final third is not great. They're not running as much as they did last season. If they can just up the intensity that they had in the game against Swansea, I think Manchester United will be okay. But I think Mourinho is the problem for United at the moment. I really do. He just needs to change his attitude and just be happy, man. You've got to wonder whether it's too late. 
You really do, because he's uh, skating on thin ice there, isn't he? Really coming out and criticising players in that particular way. Um, he's got to have a very good point to be able to do that. I know it's opened up a whole debate, hasn't it, between players being a bit too precious. Uh, I'm going to go other side of Manchester. Manchester City, currently third in the league as we record this. Midfield, for me, best in the league. One of the reasons why they might win it. Great possession. You've got Guardiola there pulling the strings and you can see very much that it's his side. It's really clicking, I think. The consistency is good. I think, you know, when you're looking at consistency of possession of the ball and that midfield unit makes their uh, attack look so menacing. And I think any Premier League team out there is incredibly aware of what kind of firepower Manchester City have. They dominate the majority of their games. Depth of squad, you can't ignore that. The sheer talent that's in that team. Kevin De Bruyne, you know, a great example of that. Aguero's having a great season so far as well. So for me, it's it's, it's very much clicking. Why might they not do it? I think teams have figured out a way to play them. And there's this general consensus, isn't there? And it sort of began with Everton. We saw it with Southampton and Spurs putting up a roadblock against City. And that's generally how we would try and stifle a possession-loving team. But it has worked on those occasions, so we can't ignore that. We saw it again with Middlesbrough at the weekend as well, actually. Their defence isn't error-free. And I think against Middlesbrough, I think it was Gail Cliche who made that mistake. So, yeah, perhaps not the best defence yet, and Guardiola's now got to take the team to the next dimension when it comes to trying to outfox the opposition. Well, as for Arsenal, the positives that they have going for them, Arsene Wenger, full stop. He's just a joy to hear from this season, isn't he? <laughs> he's just... And he's not the New England manager. No, exactly. <laughs> and he's just chilled. He's enjoying himself. He's the complete opposite to Mourinho, but he's kind of the, he's not quite as enthusiastic as Klopp. I mean, come on, Klopp's the best manager in the league. I just love him. Just... Uh, you know, it's not just because I'm a Liverpool fan. I just love him. And I'm not a Liverpool fan, but I, lo- I enjoy hearing from him, seeing him. He's just so cool. <laughs> but Wenger has that cool about him. And I, I would... If United aren't going to win the league, which they're probably not, I would be happy with Arsenal winning the league because I think he deserves it. They have players playing to the best of their ability. They have Sanchez and Ozil who have had great seasons so far and it looks like they're they're going to continue the great run of form. You've got Olivier Giroud as well, who's returned now. He's also in good form. So their attacking prospects have been massively boosted uh, this season compared to last. So they're scoring goals and they look much, much stronger at the back too defensively Mm. they look good the problem for them is home form and drawing at home Mm. you can't draw at home against a newly promoted side and you really wouldn't have them down for that at the beginning of the season or at all because they've always been so good at home and dropping points against one of your biggest rivals Mm. Spurs fair enough in a, a draw White Hart Lane you might take but at home quite simply not good enough. So two draws in their last five games, that's not just um, at home, but in, in you know home and away. So that's been a bit of a stumble for them so far. And that could be the problem for them. Their home form needs to be better. I'm not saying two draws is horrific, but if you're going to win the title, you need to be winning at home. And you would expect more if you were an Arsenal fan, wouldn't you? Because you always expect more as an Arsenal fan, right? Uh, Chelsea. I'm going to talk Chelsea. The hex of last season, well and truly gone, along with Liverpool, one of the league's most improved sides. That goes without saying. Okay, perhaps last season's uh, results were, you know, a slight anomaly, but even so, it has to be said, five straight wins now. Players look fresher this season. They look fitter. They look like they know what they're doing. Much more organised for me. 
that result against Everton at the weekend was you know, lauded because of the change of formation. The 3-4-3 is working. It's magic. And I think even Koeman said after the game, look, I've, I've never seen a back three work like that quite as well before. He called it, I think, one of the best performances that he's seen from a back three. Um, so that all looks rosy. A couple of concerns for me. They were beaten by Liverpool and Arsenal. Have they got enough grit in them? I know that that was kind of pre-formation change, um, but have they got enough to beat the top sides? And when the chips are down for Conte, I'm still not convinced he's going to blow his gasket at some point this season. And when he does, I fear for the team. I think new manager, new club, new league. I think at some point this season, the British press will get to him or he'll get to himself. The fans will get to him. Something will get to him. He'll blow his top. And I'm not sure what kind of state Chelsea will be in after that happens. I agree with you there. I think it's going to be quite the explosion when he gets riled. What about riling Mauricio Pochettino? He's too cool as well, isn't he? Uh, But uh, does he have the fire in his belly, which was sparked from last season, falling at the final hurdle and just falling away, didn't they? It was a two-horse race and and they came third. Um, So I think for Tottenham, the disappointment of how last season ended and the fact they were up there, they were up there, up there. Luckily, they had the pressure of Leicester. Um, and, and making the headlines both on the front and back pages of the of the of the papers most weeks that took the pressure off. But there is a bit of a pressure to do better than last season. But I think they've got the hunger, they've got the drive. The squad isn't too different. The nucleus is still there. And if they can keep that up and learn from the mistakes from last season, I think that is what will keep Tottenham going. The fact that they were so close, and when you can almost touch it, you know what it might feel like to potentially do that again. Big decisions, obviously. Kane's back. And I think if Kane can make the impact that he did last season, which I think he will continue to do this season, he can decide games by the small margins that are needed again. But they need to make sure that they score goals and that, again, like Arsenal, draws aren't good enough. Well, it's not often... I can sit here with Liverpool at the top of the league. Is it last time it happened back in 2014? And I think Liverpool fans are still haunted by that. And that's kind of part of my argument, really, that we'll always be very cautious about what Liverpool are doing because of that season. It took, you know, Gerard Slip, Chris Dumble for the whole thing to come crashing down. So whilst I think we've got more belief in the winner that is Jurgen Klopp, and his proven record, um, we will still be very cautious as Liverpool fans. So why key reasons why I think Liverpool would do it. Uh, ten different scorers in the Premier League so far, goals coming from all over the team. The front three are being talked about, and who wouldn't? Coutinho, Mane, Firmino are in excellent form, and they are scoring, scoring, scoring. It's so exciting to have that you know attack-driven dr- side once again is brilliant, and it's and it's great to watch. Of course, it is. The team performances are unselfish. We know that from the goals coming from all over the pitch, and those ten goal scorers, by the way, it doesn't include Daniel Sturridge. He's he's still got to come into his own, really. I like the fact that Jurgen Klopp says there is no pressure, and that's a great position for him to be in. Of course, there's no pressure. You know, it's it's his first full season as Liverpool boss. He's not mopping up the remains of any other manager now. Um, and so, of course, there's no pressure. Of course, it might get different as the seasons go on, but they're in a great position where they where they are genuinely not expected to win the league. And I hope it stays like that finally why they might do it they've already played Arsenal Spurs and Chelsea away from home and the results have come in so you know uh, against last won the title in 1990 
do the maths for yourself. It's many, many years since Liverpool have tasted success in the league. Having a wonderful league history, having a wonderful history as a football club can work against you as well. And in this case, it might do for Liverpool. Defence. It's a really obvious one for me to say. Everyone knows that Liverpool are defensively fragile. Uh, not sure about the goalkeeper, Carrius, and the defence. Well, Klopp needs to sign one or two, you know, completely reliable, top-flight defenders. You know, he, need, he needs to make some key signs. And, and it's difficult because yeah. they aren't around and they're expensive. But if we really want to be talking about Liverpool as a title-winning side, yes, of course, we can always score more goals than we let in. But that's only one game plan, isn't it? We need to sign one or two quality defenders. So a quick bite from you, Hayley, as to who's going to do it. Who, who is going to win the league? It's weird who you think will do it and what your heart says. City and Chelsea have been playing like title-winning sides when they're at their best. But City haven't been consistent enough. I think they're going to go on a really good Champions League run as well. I think Liverpool have the heart to get them there and the manager. They might just do it, but I would wish that it would happen for Arsene Wenger because I think, although people say, when I've said, Arsenal are going to go and win the league and that'll be it. Arsene Wenger can leave on a high. They've gone, oh no, he won't end it there. He'll, of course he'll stay at Arsenal. But I could see maybe Eddie Howe coming in once he's won the league. Oh, oh Eddie Howe's been brought up again. What a roundabout, what a roundabout. So I think Arsenal are going to win the league. There we go, I'll put it out there. Ooh, okay. Well, for me, it's City, quality through and through. Oh, no. But also I'm a cautious Liverpool fan. Of course, I'd love it to be Liverpool, but I'm going to say City for now. Uh, listen, talking about Manchester, we've got a great little exclusive from Manchester City Women. Thank you very much to Betsafe for organising this for us. We'll hear from uh, three domestic double winning players. Uh, not often you can share a stage with uh, three domestic double winners, if I've got enough Ds in there. That's coming up very shortly. Quick bit of news. A couple of nuggets from the WSL season, of course, which is over. We've just got Champions League football to go now for Manchester City. Chelsea are out of that. Attendances, 5% up on last year, which is good. But the most noticeable thing about attendances is the volume of people coming in to watch specific games. So when City lifted the title, there were over 4,000 people in to see that at the Academy Stadium, which is great. A couple of other key fixtures drew great crowds as well. And uh, got to say congratulations to WSL2 champions, Yeovil Town ladies. Well done to them. And Enya Luko, friend of the podcast. Yeah, she is. And how well has she done this season? She's got the golden boot. Well done, any for that. Congratulations to her. Right, let's hear from Manchester City women now. I managed to grab them at the Etihad at the weekend. Lucy Bronze, Jenny Beattie and Kosovara Aslani. Thanks to Betso, we've been able to steal three domestic double winners. Manchester City women, I'm so pleased to be joined by you. Lucy, I've got to ask you, first of all, great season, highlight for you. Tell me about a magical moment. Um, I think maybe it's the, the goal in the cup final. Obviously, we went to extra time and it'd be a tough week. We'd already sealed the league the weekend before against Chelsea and then we had a tough game against Birmingham at our own stadium and then to get the winner at the end was a, a huge relief and a, another trophy on the shelf for us. Koza, you've joined us as well. Your first season with Manchester City women. Tell us what it's like being well, playing for a side that's achieved this much success so early. It's not a coincidence that the team has achieved this uh, this season. Uh, I mean, the, the club and the, the players have put out in the work for uh, the last uh, couple of years. So for me, it was uh, it's it's been great like to come here and uh, trying to help the team as much as possible. So uh, yeah, I think it's been a great season for the team. Is there a key to this success, Jenny? Do you think there's something particular? Is there a winning? mentality behind the team is it about the defense or is there lots of little things that are coming together 
definitely lots of little things, but the mentality definitely stood out for me. Um, and that spreads throughout the staff and players from the beginning of pre-season to the end of it now. Everyone came into this team, whether it's been the first, second or third year, wanting to win, wanting to win trophies. And and thankfully we've done two, and that's something to build on for next season again. But definitely the standards we set and the mentality, I think, has been the biggest standouts for me from the club. Lisa, just talk about the cohesion with the men's side and how the club treat you as a side, because that's really important, isn't it, how it all works together? Yeah, it's huge. You know, it makes you feel a lot better knowing that you are welcomed in the club and you're treated just the same as anyone else from, you know, a six-year-old girl or boy to a, a men's first-team player. You know, everyone's all welcoming. Pep's been around to say have his congratulations this week and uh, the week before. And, you know, we all feel really part of the club and there's nothing that... You know, we're treated exactly the same as the, the first team men, and it, you know we all really appreciate it, and it does make a difference, as as you can tell. What's the um, teamwork like off the pitch? What's it been like socialising with some of the girls and getting to know some of your new teammates, Kaza? Yeah, I can't say anything else because they're <laughs> no, just you'll be in big trouble, right? I'm just kidding. No, it's been uh, it's been really easy to come into the club and uh, uh, with a team. I mean, uh, it's a young team with a lot of ambition and a lot of potential. So for me, it's been easy. I'm looking for the secret to your success, OK? Is there a player that you can't be without on the pitch? Maybe that, maybe there's a mascot, maybe there's a lucky charm. What one person or one thing has been present for you all the way through the season? And I'm looking for slightly comic answers. Please don't give me, like, our captain or something like that. I'm looking for something like my best mate or whatever. So what's been the one thing? Come on. Uh, on a so Saturday mornings, that's our last training session before our games on a Sunday, and Sunday's always a big game, but Nick Cush brings in his uh, eldest son, Harry, who's only five years old, but he helps keep it you know, loose and you're not really, you don't really get uptight because he's, he's running around the training ground with his little Kevin De Bruyne shirt on and stuff, so he's, he's made the difference this year, keeping everyone, uh, keeping your childish side in you. Has he got a favourite player amongst you? Do you know? Has he got like a little, you know, a little boy crush on one of you? Lucy. Does he? Does he love Lucy? And Lucy loves him back, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, definitely Lucy. She's the biggest kid in the team, so probably gets along with him the best. And yeah, he loves him. He loves her. Sorry. What about your secret weapon then, Jenny? Secret. Secret weapon. Who's the one personal thing that you can't be without? Yeah, caffeine. <laughs> caffeine on the morning. I'm very thankful for the really big Nespresso machine um, in our dining dining hall at the training ground yeah I get pretty excited and probably yeah on it well no caffeine gets me through match day definitely and is there a secret ingredient for you as well Koza a mascot or a match day thing that you do every time Double caffeine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm so addicted to it, so I can't have say have my eyes open without having my coffee in the morning. So yeah, it's been uh, yeah, it's a daily routine around. So the secret to Manchester City women's success: a large coffee machine, definitely. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Congratulations once again. Well done. The female take on football. And Kosovara, actually, Haley is Kosovan. She grew up in Sweden. Her family moved there. But her Kosovan parents named her after their home country. That's kind of cool, isn't it? 
what would you be? Kate England? <laughs> Hayley Scotland? Uh, speaking of which, of course, with these two teams going head to head, we had uh, Oliver Burke. There's nothing Scottish about his name, but he is Scottish with a, an English accent, but playing in Germany, which kind of leads us on to Brits abroad, doesn't it? So we'll have a bit of a chat about some of those players who are applying their trade abroad and actually achieving. I'm not just talking about your Jay Bothroyds who've gone off to Japan and Thailand and China and wherever else. I have got a note of him, actually. Oh. No, 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 I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so Oliver Burke uh, made the move. He had originally made the move, having been released by Liverpool to go to Nottingham Forest. And then Leipzig paid £13 million for him in the summer. He was in the Championship Team of the Year in his first season at Nottingham Forest. He was their player of the season as well. Um, and um, yeah, he's uh, doing brilliantly out there. He's trying to learn the language. He broke into the Scotland side earlier in the year, which shows that obviously managers are making sure they're keeping tabs on these players who are going abroad. So maybe a few should not be too afraid about making the leap like Joe Hart has done as well to make sure that he guarantees regular football and just playing in a different atmosphere out in Italy. It's fun. Yeah, I think it's one thing, isn't it, moving towards the end of your career, but it's another thing um, hoping to reignite your career out there. We can look at um, players like... Ravel Morrison, who is still playing for Lazio, but hasn't had the best season. No. So we'll be um, interested to see what happens to him. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. I think it's great when you are one of these players who are playing abroad and actually challenging for the title. So Oliver Burke right now, he's sitting for a side second in the Bundesliga. Mm. OK, they're only 10 games in, but they only trail Bayern Munich on, on, on goal difference. So to have a Scott who could potentially win the Bundesliga is a pretty cool thing. Talking about players, uh, English players abroad, I'm just going to go to the MLS quickly because their season's sort of reaching fever pitch there. Galaxy crashed out of the playoffs. First time in a long time that they haven't had success there. Um, on penalties, Stephen Gerrard rumours that he might retire now. Uh, people say he might join Rodgers at Celtic. Some people say he might go to Liverpool. It'd be hard to resist what Klopp's doing there. So yeah, at, at kind of 36 really, I, I, I guess this, this, this would be his last move. Ashley Cole missed a penalty for Galaxy as well, oh. so not so good. Um, Lampard, along with Pirlo and David Villa, playing for New York City. Um, the first MLS season for that club, first ever playoff, but they lost to Toronto. I guess age questions about how long those guys are going to continue. Uh, the MLS Cup final being played on December the 10th. So I was having a quick look across America. Portland Timbers. Now, Liam Ritual's been in the news for the wrong reason recently. Uh, he plays for Portland Timbers uh, over the, in the MLS, but has been charged for driving under the influence. Not so good team failed to reach the playoffs um so not great for liam ridgewell out there who else have you got that you've been keeping tabs on okay well um i've got a bit of a journeyman here who's ended up uh, in italy he's been on loan at watford nottingham forest then came to middlesbrough then headed to burnley and reading um and he's still only 21 what? Yeah, Nathaniel Shalabar. So it's taken oh, him a while, yes. but he's suddenly found his form, plying his trade in Italy. So he's at Napoli. He's only made nine appearances for them, but he's made a real impact on the squad, they say, and the fans as well. They loved him. He scored twice in the Europa League group stages and uh, had um, wonderful performances as, as well. He got, uh, I think, eight out of tens for that. Oh, as a journal, giving a player an 8 out of 10 is quite a big <laughs> a deal, lot. isn't it? Yeah, he's got a crucial goal against Elysia Warsaw as well. And um, yeah, apparently he's formed good friendships with lots of his fellow teammates and is a bit gutted about leaving. They actually wanted to keep hold of him 
but they had signed um, Alberto Grassi in January. So there wasn't really a space for him in the squad moving forward. But it did give him a little taste of what it was like to play uh, football out there. And he loved it so much. He's come back to Chelsea and actually he's uh, played five times, hasn't he, this season? And hasn't made a start in the Premier League, but made a start in the Cup. So it was obviously the game uh, against West Ham. He hasn't started in the Premier League yet, but I think it will be... Not mm. too far away. And he's another person that's an example of someone that you don't just have to go and play in the mm. championship or down the bottom of the Premier League. Why not go abroad, experience the culture, the food, something mm. different, make new friends? It might seem strange for a player who'd been blighted by homesickness during his career, just, just in England, Jermaine Pennant, for him to go to Real Zaragoza, but off he went. Um, not a great time there. And he did come back and play for Stoke and Wolves and Wigan and went to Poon City in India as well. So you can call him a bit of a journeyman, I suppose. Um, then he ended ended up uh, in Singapore's S-League as kind of the marquee signing for uh, Tampines Rovers. Um, Started off well, you know, was actually really well behaved off the pitch as well, model professional for them. And he took quite a significant pay cut to go to that club, it has to be said, earning £23,500 a week, which as we know is not a lot for a current top flight footballer. Um, But he's been in the press a lot recently. In fact, he's left the club because he refused to take a further cut in pay to help the club out uh, who are in a bit of financial difficulties. So he's had to leave the club. And actually the the chairman of the side said, you know what, he's been great for us, but it, it just hasn't worked out very simply. So he's now on the market again, Jermaine Pennant, um, hoping that he's not for uh, up for another move, um, possibly to Europe after his tweet over Brexit. I don't know if you caught this over the, over the, over the summer. After we'd uh, voted to leave the EU, he, he, he sent out a tweet saying, now we're not in Europe. What's going to happen with the next Euros in 2018? Yeah. Well, for a start, the next Euros are in 2020, Jermaine. You should have oh. known that because 2016 was the year of the Euros and it's only plus four years. And secondly, we haven't voted to leave Europe, we've voted to leave the EU. So Jermaine Pennant getting slightly confused. If he does move to Europe again, I think he should probably try and iron that that one out before, uh, before he heads off. Speaking of Europe, with Greece being in a, in a bit of a mess, well, one man who's certainly definitely not been in a mess is Luke Steele. It does get a bit messy on the pitch at Panathinaikos. I've mentioned him a few times on podcasts in the past, but let's see how he's doing because he signed a new deal with Panathinaikos. Um, he swapped Barnsley for Greece. Bit unusual, but a really great example of how to invigorate his career. He wasn't starting regular football. He was obviously with Manchester United, an FA Youth Cup winner, an under-20 international. um, And he just said he wanted a a little bit more. Well, he's got more than he bargained for. Listen to this. This is him talking about how he feels about playing in Greece and what you have to encounter on the pitch. He said, the grounds fill with smoke and flares. Things are thrown on the pitch. There are laser pens putting you off. It can be quite intimidating. He said, I was walking through a tunnel of armed police with shields. (laughs) He said, this was a normal occurrence. Not like Pizzagate, that, is it? It was from the centre circle all the way to behind one of the goals where the tunnel was. There were all sorts being thrown at me. Rocks and everything. It wasn't just lighters and stuff like that. Thank God they were there. Rocks? Rocks. Or we'd never have got off the pitch. Can you believe it? (laughs) And actually, um, playing in the Europa League, his first four games in the Europa League for Panathinaikos, he conceded just one Mm. goal. He's kept... More clean sheets than any other goalkeeper in the Greek league over the last three seasons and constantly challenging at the top, loving life and showing you that you can go Mm. and uh, 
enjoy things. If it wasn't for Jordan Pickford being so brilliant for Sunderland in that game against Bournemouth, perhaps Luke Steele might have got a call up. But I do feel like he's kind of the forgotten man. But he's a good age. He's 31. He's playing consistently. Him and Joe Hart playing in Europe outside of Britain when you've got injuries to um, Fraser Forster and, you know, key keepers when they need to call Mm -hmm. up extra cover. It is a bit of a shame that yet again he has been uh, missed out when he's doing so well consistently. We we should have a word, shouldn't we? Uh, On that note, um, we will have a word with you and say uh, thank you very much for listening. You can check out our Twitter feed at OffsideRulePod. There was a great goal, by the way, on our Twitter feed from Barbara La Torre. She plays for Barcelona Women. It's an insane goal. She basically bats off the opposing defenders, falls down, gets up and then scores. And bats off another defender after she gets up and then scores. By the way, it's insane. It's been retweeted loads and loads of times. Um, plenty of love for that on Twitter. Once again, thanks very much to Betsafe for letting us grab Man City women. Domestic double winners. Congratulations to them. Um, also want to say thank you very much for listening. And don't forget our website, www.offsiderulepodcast.com. Great features every day on that website. And we've got some new writers and some new blogs coming up as well. So do look out for those. We'll see you soon. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.